0: hi i'm sophie marketplace risks ai assistant welcome to series nine of the platform podcast hosted by marketplace risk founder jeremy Gottschalk. the platform podcast features marketplace and digital platform founders and leaders sharing valuable lessons that can be leveraged to help you successfully launch and grow this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not professional advice for specific issues Please seek an appropriate professional or contact us at info at marketplacerisk.com for a referral.
1: Welcome to the Platform Podcast. On this episode, Nick Fertwengler will be talking with me about marketplace tax obligations. Nick is a state and local tax lawyer with the firm Miller Cooper, based out of Chicago. Nick counsels marketplaces and startups on all of their state and local tax obligations, and he's going to detail the various tax obligations today. Nick, it's a pleasure to have you on the Platform Podcast. Great. Thank you,
2: Jeremy. I'm happy to be here.
1: I hope I introduced you well, but can you talk briefly about your background and what led you to the exciting career of tax law in 30 seconds or less? Absolutely.
2: So, yeah, I've been with Miller Cooper for four years, um, actually, as of Saturday, uh, but have been practicing state and local tax law at Uh, two of the big fours, um, and then a large international law firm on the litigation side for about 12 years. Um, And I kind of fell into this uh, being interested in finance and accounting in undergrad, Uh, started interning at Deloitte, and that turned into a career in the state and local tax or salt world, as those of us tax nerds call it. (laughs)
1: Interesting. Um, so let's cut to the chase. The reason people are going to listen to this is because they want to understand what tax obligations marketplaces have. Um, and I think a lot of uh, marketplace founders specifically um, launch a marketplace and don't realize that they have a lot of tax obligations. And I think in large part, because some of these are relatively new um, or Certainly didn't exist many years ago. So, to frame this conversation, we're going to talk about sales tax, income tax, and gross receipts tax. Uh, Anything else I forgot? The only other
2: tax to mention is the payroll tax side. And we can kind of cover that at the end. Um, You know, that'll come into play if there are actual employees or potential independent contractors that the marketplaces are using.
1: Okay. So let's uh, first focus on sales tax obligations. What is the obligation on the marketplace? And how does a marketplace know if they have sales tax obligations? So that's collecting and paying? or Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I would say sales tax is going to be the first and probably biggest of the tax types that we talked about that will impact marketplaces. Um, Since there was a Supreme Court decision in June of 2018, uh, called Wayfair, that allowed for states to require uh, sales tax collection and remittance, whether or not you have what we call a physical presence in the state. Meaning, you don't have to have an employee there, you don't have to have inventory there. As as long as you're making sales into a state that imposes a, a sales tax, that state has the constitutional right to impose a sales tax on you. And so, with that, the evolution of that case coming down and then states changing their laws to tax more companies more often, um, you've seen just a, 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 an enormous expansion of the various sales tax rules. And one of those that is directed specifically towards marketplaces is what's called the marketplace facilitator law. Um, and so what that does is says, if you are considered a marketplace facilitator in a state, and every state that imposes a sales tax has one of these rules, if you fit the definition of a marketplace facilitator in that state, you're required to collect from the marketplace sellers on your platform the sales tax that they, sh- that they should be collecting from their customers. So it moves the onus on you, the marketplace facilitator, as opposed to the seller on your marketplace. Um, and I can, I can define what yeah. a marketplace facilitator is because not every marketplace might fit into that category.
1: Right. And so um, be, prior to that, before marketplaces really became a thing, it was the case that the seller – uh, a retailer, uh, for an example, was responsible for collecting the sales tax and paying the state. Exactly, right?
2: they would, and the only individual or entity in this entire transaction that is responsible for paying the tax is is the end user, the person or the entity that ultimately uses the product or service. So, typically, the entity selling to that end user is going to know, you know, how do, how much do I collect? When do I collect it? Um, and that was the case before Wayfair came out in 2018. Yeah.
1: Got it. Okay. And so how do you know if or when you or where you have to collect and pay uh, collect and pay slash remit the the sales tax is a marketplace. What is the what defines a marketplace that falls within that those obligations? Sure, no, absolutely. So
2: the rule to follow is if you have hundred thousand dollars of sales into a particular state, that's most of what we call the wayfair economic nexus thresholds in most states. Okay. Some have it a little higher. Um, but you know the vast ninety percent of states that have a sales tax have a hundred thousand dollar threshold or two hundred transactions. So that kind of throws another you know complication to the law. Um, for the vast majority of my clients and of marketplaces that I see, they really just need to focus on that hundred thousand dollar threshold because they're going to get there. Um, you know, before a lot of times before they have 200 transactions um, or, you know, so that's the threshold to keep track of. And I tell every marketplace that I speak with, start out by tracking your sales by state, meaning where is your customer located and be able to identify where you're selling again, whether it's a, a product or a service. Um th- that's that's key. And that's not just for sales tax, That's for all the other tax types that we'll talk about.
1: Um, okay. So and just to be clear, all 50 states have some type of marketplace facilitator law or an obligation to collect and remit sales tax? Every state
2: that has a sales tax, yes. So not all 50 states do. I want to say 44 states have a sales tax. So those are, yeah, those are the states that where you're going to find, and every single one has a marketplace facilitator law. I believe it was Missouri that imposed theirs last, Um, but every state now does have one of those rules. Yeah. And just to further define what a marketplace facilitator is, because I think that's a little, if you're selling into a state and you have $100,000 of sales, assuming what you're selling is taxable, whether or not you're a marketplace facilitator, you're going to need to collect and remit sales tax. Where the key comes in with the definition of a marketplace facilitator is if you just have a platform and your marketplace sellers, the sellers on your marketplace, are making those sales through your platform, that's then when you have to determine, do I fit the definition of a marketplace facilitator? Because if I do, I now have to collect tax on behalf of the sellers on my platform. So that's probably for for the the listeners to this and and who are working with marketplace risk, you're probably gonna fit into a marketplace facilitator. And it's kind of a three part definition, it's relatively easy. You have a a forum that lists taxable goods for sale. You directly or indirectly collect tax and then then give that tax to the seller. And Mm -hmm. you're compensated. The marketplace, the forum is compensated for providing that service. Those are kind of the three Mm -hmm. prongs
1: to look at. Got it. Okay, and so um, and this may be a little bit outside your area, maybe not. But what does enforcement look like? What states enforce this? You know, I get the question all the time: like, does this something I have to worry about right away? And you know, the reality is, it's the law. And so my answer is yes. But in some cases, you know, people are below the radar, fly below the radar at the beginning. And I'm curious, you know, what have what is your experience with like enforcement or states that that come after platforms for not collecting and paying the same. Yeah, that's cents. a great
2: question. And it's probably half of my practice, actually. Okay. Um, okay. So when you're starting out, this is always a business decision. There's a million things that you should be doing according to the law, right? Right. The reality is, okay, well, how can I do all of those, you know, right away? Um what I would say is you're going to owe the tax whether or not the state finds you. If the state finds you and the typically, the typical way they'll do that is you will pop up on a vendor list of another company that's been audited. And if that happens, Mm -hmm. then the state will just send a blast what they'll say, they'll call it a nexus questionnaire to every customer on that list. So it's not as if they necessarily were digging in and trying to find you. It's more happenstance that you get caught more often than not. Um, now, if you've got, you know, signs all over a state and an auditor drives by, certainly you, but again, we're talking about marketplaces here. So it's probably unlikely that you have a giant brick and mortar presence, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And what, what do the penalties look like? So not to scare people, but, you know, if, if they don't pay and the tax man or woman comes to them, what does that look like? And I'm sure it varies by state. but It does. That
2: yeah. But the, so in addition to the tax, there will be penalties and interest tacked on. So um, interest is anywhere from, depending on the state, you know, three to eight percent. Interest okay. is the small one. Penalties—you will average twenty-five percent of the tax, and it oh, wow. again it varies by state. I'll tell you, Washington is the worst. Their penalty rate is thirty-nine percent, which in my that mind borders on usury. But
1: <laughs> they can get away with it. That's for another. That's for another, that's okay. for another <laughs> <laughs> it's true crime or something, um, and so. I think it's it's good advice, right? It's a business decision, but you, you might as well start out complying and build this into your platform because you're going to have to do it eventually and you don't want to get caught. So what um, resources or solutions are out there in terms of software, obviously accountants and lawyers, but what do you see platforms uh, leveraging to comply with these, all these state and local? Terms? Yeah, absolutely. So for the
2: sales tax piece, there are a lot of sales tax automation companies, uh, you know, listeners may know Avalara is one. That's kind of the big one. You see ads for them all the time. Um, Stripe actually owns a company called uh, TaxJar, which they recently purchased. So I know a lot of comp- a lot of marketplaces will use Stripe as their payment processor. Um, and then there's an, a company called Vertex um, that, again, similar. Where if you sign up with them, they'll onboard you. You code in what either services or products you're providing. And then these companies will determine they'll determine whether or not your product's taxable. And then when you make a sale, they will determine what tax is owed based on the zip code. That's how sales tax is calculated. And they will collect that and remit that to the state and do your typically monthly sales tax filings. Now, you don't have to pay for all of that. So you may just want a piece of it because it's not, you know, it's not free. They're certainly going to charge you for it. Um, but I think that's the most helpful. Once you once you have scale in a good number of states, meaning you have over that $100,000 in a number of states, um, it, it gets pretty complicated. Um, yeah. Got
1: it. Okay. So Avalara Stripe has a product. Um, I think, you know, a lot of Platforms, I would say, overwhelmingly leverage Stripe. So I think that that's um, and Texture. I, I, I'm familiar with them. I didn't realize that they were acquired by Stripe, but um, it super was interesting. yeah, it was like a
2: year ago, pretty recent. And the rumor
1: was actually that Stripe was going to buy them and kill them,
2: and they haven't yet. So and I I don't know. We heard that from our Avalara rep. <laughs> so little <well>, inside. <laughs> drama there but
1: you you heard it here first (laughs) (laughs) we have we have the salt but they haven't done that
2: so kind of at this point wouldn't make sense because they would you think they would pair well together
1: right um okay let, let's talk about income tax what can you tell us about income tax as it relates to market great
2: offers? so the difference with income tax is you are not going to owe income tax until you're in income until you're out of losses right so look, we all want that to be right away um but that's a big difference between sales tax and income tax is that you're always going to owe the sales tax Really, your customer or customer's customer is for sales tax purposes. For income tax, while you are running losses, you're not going to owe anything. Um, There are about 16 states that have a similar economic nexus approach like sales tax does, but not as many. And that economic nexus threshold is typically $500,000. So it's, it's a higher amount. Um, So income tax is certainly important to focus on, but what the general formula is, you will take whatever you have in income for federal purposes, and then that's spread across the various states where you have what's called nexus, where you have a filing obligation, um, and, and you will pay based on the activity that your marketplace has in each of those states. And that's typically achieved by either physical presence, meaning having employees or inventory there, um, or hitting one of those economic nexus thresholds.
1: Got it. And so one of the things that I tell certainly early, early stage companies and founders is it's really important not only to understand that you know when you are going to have to pay income tax, but getting with a tax lawyer or your accountant early, because there's a lot that That um, founders and uh, early stage companies, they invest into the company that can adjust when they actually have to start paying income tax. And so I think a a lot of times the natural reaction is just to push it off. Like we're not going to owe money for a while. So like, let's not deal with it. But the reality is you could be missing out on some benefits uh, based on what you've invested. Right. I mean, I don't know if you can talk about that. Absolutely. So
2: one of the things, you know, you're going to need to file a federal return, regardless. If you're if if you have a federal identification number, you know the IRS is going to expect a federal return to be filed. And even if you're in losses, when you do that, you're capturing those losses. So so you're capturing net operating losses, um, and you can use those going forward when you are in income to offset that income. So it right. you know you're paying you will ultimately pay income tax, but you're you're locking in some losses to defer what you pay down the road. Um, and, and the same is right. in the states. You know, the, the question always with the states is, all right, is it worth paying an accountant to file? Am I going to save enough down the road that it makes sense to file in more states than I need to? And you'll, you'll if you're filing one federal return, you're going to need to file one state return kind of based on where you're located. Um, but you lock right. in those losses for future years.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's important that, you know, again, there is a cost to it to have an accountant or a tax lawyer, uh, to working with an accountant or a tax lawyer. But the reality is you want to capture all of those losses. So you only pay, start paying, uh, income tax when you uh, absolutely wow. need to. Um, okay. In gross receipts tax, what is the obligation? How do marketplaces know if they have to combine? Gross receipts taxes
2: are, <laughs> I'll call them the easiest of all taxes because, One, they're a tax on the entity itself. So not like a sales tax where it's a tax on your customer. And they're a tax on exactly what it sounds like, the gross revenue that you bring in as a company. So they're taxing that top line number as opposed to an income tax, which taxes the net income. And the reason that's important is because, While you may not owe for income tax purposes, if you cross a threshold So, in the states that have a gross receipts tax, and I can tell you the main ones, Texas, Ohio, Oregon, Washington, Tennessee um, are kind of the big ones. And all of those states have, again, one of these economic nexus thresholds. So most of them are $500,000. Washington, Ohio, and Oregon uh, are well, a hundred, but there's some exemptions in there, a hundred thousand dollars. So it, it, and that's honestly Googleable. Um, you know, the, the rules are pretty clear. Sure. So you're paying a lower tax rate on a higher number because it's, you know, your gross amount, uh, tax at a lower rate. And again, so if right. you have that gross amount, regardless of your loss or income, you will owe it.
1: Yeah. Got it. Okay. And I think that's interesting because that was one that I wasn't really aware of. Now, the states that you mentioned, I don't work with a lot of marketplaces in those states, but um, it's obviously important yeah. to know. Um, okay. So can you touch on payroll taxes for employees and then 1099 filing requirements for contracts?
2: Yeah. So to the extent a marketplace has employees, you're going and, you know, Depending on where they work. So if, if they're working remotely, you're going to have to file for payroll tax filings, which you think of that combines the um, individual's payroll tax that you're going to need to pay, the unemployment insurance tax that, that you have to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in a state like Florida, for example, where there's no state income tax, you still have to pay the federal payroll tax, the federal income tax, right. kind of through that state's department of revenue. Um, so anywhere that right. you have employees, you typically are going to need to file for payroll tax. Um, and sometimes the states will cross-check that with other tax types. So meaning, okay, they, they, you know, marketplace A filed for payroll tax, but marketplace A doesn't have an income tax filing or a sales tax filing. So just keep in mind that, you know, they not all states do that, but some states will cross trip, I sure. can't speak, cross check that. Um, and then kind of related to payroll tax, because I know a lot of marketplaces that I work with, you know, the founder and, and, and maybe the C-suite people are going to be employees. But a lot of the people who work there are 1099 independent contractors. Um, And and that makes sense. So there's kind of three different types of 1099s that are typically filed. Um, You'll have a a 1099 non-employee compensation, NEC. And that's Mm going to be for any type of freelancer that, you know, may come help you with uh, your Network setup, or or painting, sure. or you know something That's like that, um, and then there's a 1099 miscellaneous, misc, law firms, accounting firms, uh, prizes, royalties that you give away. You're going to file that. Both of those right. you have to file if the individual receive or individual or entity receives more than six hundred dollars throughout the year. Um, the right. last and most frustrating 1099 is what's called the 1099k and that tr- it's a, it's called the payment card and third party transactions so think of if you're a marketplace facilitator you're transacting payments between marketplace sellers and 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 people purchasing on the marketplace you're connecting those mm-hmm. two so the IRS used right. to say if you have over and 200 transactions. You have to file this 1099K. They reduced that, and it was supposed to be in 22, to $600 and no transaction limit. Well, people went crazy. So the IRS said, okay, fine. We'll delay it till 2023. They delayed it till 2023. Everyone was still freaking out. So they just, I think November, um, delayed Delayed it to 2024, meaning you would report it, the 2024 activity in 2025, right? right so you're right. adding another year and they have thrown out the idea of increasing the threshold from $600 to 5,000. So yeah, really? which would be, I mean, that's going to be huge, you know, now still right. less than 20,000.
1: But right. um,
2: that'll certainly help because I, I had clients who were like, there's no way we can comply with this,
1: right. you know? So I've worked with a bunch of um, marketplaces on this 1099 Fairness Initiative, and we were lobbying and, and doing a lot of work on this. And what came out of it was they punted for a year. <laughs> um, and my question was like, was that helpful? Where, did we have? I'm like, well, yes, it was impactful for a year, but we ultimately didn't get them to change their minds. Uh, I know that the group was also floating or, you know, they didn't really want to propose the $5,000 limit. They wanted to go back sure. to 20000 but they said, listen, if we have to negotiate, let's go to 5000 I didn't realize that they that, that was not on the table it's anymore. It's on the table and it's,
2: in fact, on the IRS website. So $5,000? Yes. uh huh Now, it's really? not official. They're still taking comments. So, okay, who knows? They may punt another year given that this was supposed to right. go in place for 2022,
1: you know? Right. Um, well, yeah, that's that's six hundred dollars though, is a nightmare. And we looked at just the compliance obligations for somebody who sells potentially one mm-hmm. item, and now they've got to they've got all these uh, compliance obligations. Not to mention the platforms and all all of their kind of admin that goes along with it. It's 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 a complete well,
2: nightmare. So. And then you
1: know I had a I had a client that they use Stripe, and
2: Stripe will file some ten ninety nine Ks but not others. And Mm -hmm. so it became a fight internally with, you know, entities that are trying to help each other out. So, yeah, I mean, it was, I I hope they go back to 20,000, but at least 5,000 is better than 600. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: Exactly. Um, Okay. So uh, finally, if a marketplace is already, um, established, but coming to the realization, thanks to you, that they should have been complying with these tax tax obligations. What can they do? Absolutely. So there's a
2: couple things that I would th- do. Um, the first, and I think this is the most important, are, they're called voluntary disclosure agreements. Um, once you have determined, and I would work, you know, with a tax professional of some degree to s- determine, do I owe tax in a state that's called a taxability and nexus study, just to see, okay, you know, wh- where do I owe, where do I have a filing obligation? If you determine that what is owed is significant enough, and that's really a business decision, you know, it depends on, on you know, what what your threshold for, um, for pain is in terms of the tax amount due.
0: Every state offers
2: these voluntary disclosure agreements where they will... You can have your tax professional go anonymously on your marketplace's behalf and say to the state, "Look, we have a client. They know they owe money. They want to make it right, and they, you know, they they want to take care of this so they don't have this outstanding exposure obligation." And kind of the reward for the marketplace doing that is that the state will limit the number of years they look back to collect tax on to three to four except California is six. But, um, and the reason that's important is because if you haven't been filing a return, and this is for all tax types, keep in mind, um, the state can go back as far as you've had activity. I mean, typically they'll limit it to seven to 10 years, but I've, I've had one and I've actually just finished up one where they went back to like 89. I want to say, which is insane. I mean, you're not even gonna have records that far. Now, marketplaces also in the way that we know them aren't gonna exist in 89, right? So, okay, that kind of solves that problem. Um, So so they limit the look back to three or four years. They agree not to audit years prior and all of these programs will forgive penalty, which as we talked about can be 25% or more. A few, not many, will forgive interest. But getting I mean the interest again you're you're talking single digits as opposed to five percent so so that's a huge benefit again assuming you owe enough if you owe a thousand dollars not worth it because you're gonna have to pay someone to do it for you but you know right. if you're if you're in the upper four or five figures going back number of years it may be worth it
1: yeah yeah got it Okay. Well, that's a lot of information. Um, if someone wants to follow up with you, how and where do they find Uh
2: Sure. You? So, uh, my firm is Miller Cooper. Um, I can, I can give you my email address. Um, it's <laughs> nfertwingler at millercooper.com. Um, just first initial last name. Um, and, and feel free to shoot me, you know, an, an email. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, anything like that. Um, if you've got questions, um, I, I, I talk to a lot of marketplaces and it's not all just, you know, a sales pitch. I, do, I definitely want to help them. So, you know, to the extent it makes sense, great. Then we can move forward in a, in a you know, client service provider relationship. But um, a lot of it's just making people aware and, you know, you start Googling. And I think if you don't know what you're doing, right. it gets a little overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Excellent. Well, thank you for joining me. We appreciate you guiding us through these state and local tax obligations. Very exciting. Um, And you can find Nick at nfertwingler at millercooper.com or on LinkedIn. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jeremy.
0: Thank you for tuning into the platform podcast. You can check out more episodes at marketplacerisk.com, along with information about our conferences, virtual events and resources designed to help marketplaces and digital platforms successfully launch and grow. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk to stay up to date on upcoming programs, events, and important news.